Welcome to the Venture Church Podcast. We strive to lead people to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. Our goal is to tear down the walls that have kept people away from church to help them build a relationship with God, our Creator. We are so glad you're tuning in today. We hope and pray that this leads you to Jesus and His path for your life. So, without further ado, here is today's teaching. Someone finish this sentence for me. All right, some of you have heard before. You've heard a lot of times. Here it goes. If you're going to talk the talk, then you'd better walk the walk. And you cheated because it's on the screen, really huge behind me. If you're going to talk the talk... You better walk the walk. We say it all the time. The other day I was walking with my family in the neighborhood, uh, you know, just a little evening stroll, kids riding the bike, and, and we, we came around the corner, and this big old dog just came, woo, 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 just running out of the yard at us. You've been in this situation. The dog has lost its mind, thinks that I am edible, and begins running at us. And so my, my daughter just freezes. My son nearby falls off his bike. My wife turns to me and says, Chris? Sure, like, let me deal with it. I'm, just, I'm great with ferocious dogs. Um, funny thing is, I, I'm not scared of dogs. And so I see the dog, and I, I've seen this scene before. The dog has not thought past the driveway. He's not thought. He's just like, rah, 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 what now? And um, so I, I do what I, what I love to do with dogs who think that they're big and bad. I just, I lowered my voice about three octaves. I clapped my hands as loud as I could, and I said, get out of here, you know? And then just, the dog's like, rah, rah, and he runs off with his tail between his legs. Don't mess with me. Step up, dog. You know, actually, I'm, I'll be honest. I would be, I'm really glad that this dog didn't uh, attack me because I don't want to get attacked by a dog. Uh, I would have had to run and uh, scream like a little girl, and, and that'd be embarrassing in front of my kids. Uh, but I want to say that dog, like, if you're going to talk the talk, I'm going to walk the walk, right? Don't come at me like that. Don't come barking. This is uh, a thing that it's a phrase we use all the time, and, and we have a lot of different phrases for it. It must be a problem in our society. People don't walk the walk. I don't know if you've noticed how many similar phrases we have. Here's a couple of them. Here's one we say all the time. Well, put your money where your mouth is. Isn't that basically the same thing? Look, if you're going to talk about it, you better, you better make it worth it. You better do it. Here's another one. Don't talk about it. Be about it. You ever hear that? We must have a problem with this. We've got these phrases. Here's the one. You probably heard this. This might be the most famous. Actions speak louder than what? Words. Don't just talk about it. Be about it. If you're going to talk the talk... You better walk the walk. Uh, and, and I think this is such a big deal because quite honestly, we're not great at follow through. Like as human beings, we're just not. How many politicians have you seen say something from a stage on a screen, make all these promises, but then when they get in the office, it's not quite what they promised. And they didn't quite deliver. They didn't walk the walk. How many people uh, have stood at a, a, you know, in front of a stage in front of God and everybody sharing vows with another person and saying something like for richer or for poorer, for better or for worse. But then when things get poorer or when things get worse, I'm out. And it's tender, right? That's like affects almost every one of our lives probably. But isn't it true that we say things, but then we, how far, how poor, how hard are we willing to go before we aren't going to follow through on that commitment? How many times have you set up a meeting with someone and then they just bailed on you? Like last minute. And it's no big deal. They just text you, can't make it. Oh, sorry. Well, I just rearranged my whole day for your meeting. Um, I guess we'll just do it another time. But before I call anybody else out, let me ask you, how many times have you done that to somebody, right? Like how many times have I done that to somebody? And I made a commitment to volunteer or to serve or to uh, go to a thing at the school with the kid or you told someone you'd be at their event. And then you just, at the last minute, you know, something came up or I overslept or whatever. It's an issue with us. 
We're not great at it. And we do it so much that it doesn't even surprise us anymore, does it? I mean, you, you know, like with little kids, they say, hey, can we do this? And you're like, yeah, we, we'll do that later. And then later something comes up and you don't do it. And they're like, but, but you said we were going to do it. And as the adult, we're like, well, yeah, sometimes things change. But as a kid, you're like, well, that doesn't make sense. And I think, at least I want to believe that it could be better. We could be different. We could get to a point where we do walk the walk more than we just talk the talk. And I think that when it comes to our faith, when it comes to spiritual things, this is an area where we struggle really hard because it is easier to talk the talk. It really is. If you've been in church long or you have any kind of faith in God, you find that it's pretty easy to say, man, I'm really sorry you're going through that. Yeah, I'll pray about that. I'll, I'll pray for you. And how often do you not? Take the time to pray for them or show up and see how I could help in another way. Or to say, man, you know, sorry that bad thing happened, but whew, God is good. Something will work out. But do you really believe that? And what steps do you take to show that? And, and something good happens and we just say, whoa, praise God. Well, praise him now because something good happened. When were you praising him earlier when something bad was going on? We talk the talk. And I'm not throwing anybody under the bus and I'm not saying that we're all terrible. I'm just saying it's so easy to say stuff like I believe in God. I believe that God has a plan but then when it comes for the rubber to meet the road, how hard is it for it to fall through? The hard part is walking in the walk. And so there's this joke in my family. It's kind of an ongoing joke. It's been going on for years that uh, my wife is a really fast walker. Like anytime I go anywhere with my wife, like we'll be walking along and I'll look down for a second. I'll look over to say something to her. I'm like, I'm 50 paces behind. And so I like to break into a little job. Like, oh, anyway, as I was saying, and so we'll go to these parks. Like we go walking at Ogden Park sometimes around the soccer fields. There's this nice trail. And I used to walk with her on the trail, but now this is not even a joke. I seriously just cut across the middle of the field and I'll meet her on the other side. Isn't that true, kids? I mean, I do. I totally just like walk straight across the field because she's a fast walker. It's because she's in better shape than I am and I'm not afraid to admit it. Um, but another way of looking at this picture is this. You ever seen one of those tiny little dogs? Like the dogs that are so small that they're almost cats. You know what I mean? Like they're like this big, and, but they walk with their owner and they've got to take like 13 steps for every one step that the dog takes and just like, <laughs> and here's the thing. So often our faith feels that way because I got my nose to the grindstone and I'm working, man. I got this issue. I got this problem. I got this pain. I got this doubt. I got this fear, whatever I'm working on in my faith. And I'm working as hard as I can. And then I look up and I'm like, well, dang, I'm 50 steps behind. Like I thought I had this thing beat and then here I am and I'm behind. And how do we, how do we like reconcile that? Here's the deal. I don't think that it's that we're not trying to walk the walk. I think that it, we realize sometimes it's just really hard, right? I want to tell you something. If you struggle with that, I want you to know that's okay. If you find yourself struggling with the fact that I feel like it's really hard, and we're going to get to it a little bit later, but it's okay because it means that you're aware of the distance between mankind and God. And I've got good news. God has made up the difference. For the next nine weeks, we'll start in day, and so eight more weeks after that, we're going to be starting and working on this series, Walk the walk. It's going to get us through most of the summer. And over the course of the next nine weeks, we'll be exploring what does it look like to walk the walk. We're going to get to hear from uh, me. We're also going to get to hear from a lot of other our leaders at our church. I love having a chance to have other people come up and share, and I get to sit and learn and listen. And so as a church, we're going to collectively, because I think as a church family, we need to be a church that's not just talking about it, we're being about it. And we're not just talking the talk, we're walking the walk. And so to kick us off today, I'm going to look at a really big chunk of scripture from the book of Galatians. If you've got a Bible with you today, go ahead and grab it. We're going to be in Galatians uh, chapter uh, 
chapter 5 mostly, a little bit of chapter 4, and we're going to be looking at what it looks like to walk the walk, but uh, let's talk about the book of Galatians while you you turn there. Actually, if you don't have a Bible today, I want to let you know. We have free ones we give away. Uh, They're right out in the lobby as you leave, right out in the little table there. Grab one, please. We want everybody to have a free, readable version of the Bible. The book of Galatians is in the New Testament of the Bible, and it's written to a group of Christians in an area called Galatia. It's a a big chunk of modern-day Turkey, and this area was called Galatia, and uh, it was written by a a guy named the Apostle Paul. Now, Paul, at one point, had been a persecutor of Christians. He had uh, overseen the killing of Christians. He was basically a religious fanatic terrorist of his time, uh, which is a weird way of looking at Paul, but that's what he was doing. But then he met Jesus, and his whole life changed. And it's fantastic, the shift that he comes in his life, because he ends up becoming the greatest missionary possibly to ever live, and the first missionary to leave the Jewish realm and go into the people that weren't just Jewish faith. And so he has written this letter to the churches in Galatia, and it's being circulated around. Uh, I would love to encourage you over the course of the next two months, and it's not going to be hard to do. It's not a long book. Every one of us, let's read through the whole book of Galatians. And I want to encourage you to do it like this. Read it in one or two sittings. Okay, Uh, if you can. I mean, if you're able to read much at a time, it's a book. It's written as a letter, actually, to these people, and it's got a context to the whole thing. So when we unpack the section that we're in today, if you feel the bigger context of the whole book, it'll make a lot more sense. And so let me tell you a little bit what's going on in that book, though, before you get into it. I hope you will read it. Uh, Mainly, there is a problem with the churches in Galatia that Paul is writing to address. They have become confused. They have lost their way. In all of the letters that Paul wrote to churches, this seems to be one of the harshest ones because what's happened is these people had forgotten about the fundamentals of Christianity, which is that Jesus is the only path to salvation. That was it. They'd forgotten about grace. They'd forgotten about a sacrifice. And there was a group of teachers that were coming in and saying, the only way to get right with God is to follow the Jewish law to a T. And that's the way that the Jewish people uh, approached God. And, And Jesus actually came as a Jew to say, listen, I came to fulfill the law. I came to be the ultimate uh, resolution to the sin problem that the world had. And so that is what the message of Christianity is, that you don't have to rigorously do everything right. It's not about what I do that gets me closer to God. It's about what Jesus has done and me accepting that in faith and living for him as my Lord and the king of my life. And so this is the big conflict, the big crux here, the big problem of the confusion was over one word. And the word was law, L-A-W, law, the law. So there's a group of people saying, you got to live by the law. And other group of people saying, I, I don't think it's about the law. I don't sh-. And so Paul writes this letter to say, listen, there is no law that can make us right with God. The laws are there to give us guidelines and help us know kind of a pathway that will honor God with our life. But the only path to God is our faith in his grace. And so as he writes this letter, Paul writes him to remind them who Jesus was and how Jesus made it right and what it means to live a life that is all about Jesus. And he gets near the end of this whole letter. So that's what he's been talking about for the last several chapters, uh, all the way through chapter four. And when he gets to chapter five, which is where we're going to be today, he comes out with his teaching and says, okay, this is what it means to walk the walk. So we're just going to read. It's going to be a big chunk of scripture today. We're going to start in Galatians Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. And this is where he begins with their little teaching here. You, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. But listen, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. We'll unpack that in a second. Rather, serve one another in, in humility and in love for the entire law. You want to talk about the law? The entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
If you bite and devour each other, watch out because you'll be destroyed by each other. And so we're going to get back to this section a little bit later, but I do want to unpack a little bit of it. Paul, Paul, in summary, is saying, dude, if you want to live by the law so badly, why are you missing the main point of the law? The main point of the law is love. You're missing it. The main thing the law teaches us is how to love God and how to love people. But it seems that your only concern is to bite each other's heads off. Stop it. I think, I think a lot of what Paul's teaching could be summarized down to is the two words, stop it. Just stop it. Stop what you're doing. Do this. And so he just says it. Look, stop. And so here's what Paul starts to tell us that we should do instead. This is how to walk the walk. He says this, verse 16. So I say, walk. There's a word, and we're going to see it a couple times in this whole passage. He says, I say, walk by the Spirit. And if you do, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the flesh, they're in conflict with each other. So that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Make this note for yourself, okay? This is going to be a good note to take. I encourage you to always take notes anytime you're, you're learning from the Bible. But here's, here's the note. We need to all learn what the heck it means to walk in the Spirit. Like that's a, to me, it's kind of this ethereal, like super religious phrase. We need to walk in the Spirit. All right. What street's that on? Um, is it like walking in the rain? Like what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Now, Paul's going to unpack it some, and we're going to spend the next nine weeks talking about it. But this seems to be the key. We need to learn, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Because to do that means to walk the walk. So he outlines kind of this, this two-sided coin, uh, and I think we all know this coin all too well. There are two sides to this argument, the flesh side and the Spirit side. The flesh, as in things that gratify me and honor me and will make me happy. That's what is the flesh. And then the spirit, is, this is as in God's Holy Spirit and things that gratify God and honor God and God, make God happy. Okay, so here's the big breakdown. Walking in the flesh is about myself. More than I love God, oh, sorry. Walking in the flesh is about loving myself more than I love God or others. That's walking in the flesh. Am I loving myself more than I love God or others? And then this walking in the spirit. Walking in the spirit is about putting my desires and my urges, this is hard, second. I'm going to call that putting us in the back seat. It's about putting my urges and my desires second behind the needs of others and the desires of God. This is walking in the Spirit. And so Paul talks about this all over the place in his writings. In, in Romans chapter 7, he talks about this conflict that he's having within his own life. He's like, there's these things I want to do, and I know I should do, but I just keep on not doing those things. Now, there's things over here that I'm not supposed to do, but I keep doing these things. He said, I find this law at work. I just keep on conflicting with my own self. There's this battle within. It's a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde moment. We're like, there's one body, two drivers, two captains, two commanders. Anybody feeling that? Is it just me? Yeah, a little head nod, right? We're, man, I know what I should do. I know what I shouldn't do. But then, eh, it's Thursday. Let's make an exception. That's how we roll. It happens every time uh, you're standing with a group of people and somebody's just talking junk, just smashing somebody else. It's not in the circle. And there's this little party that's like, ah, this doesn't seem right. Should I be in this conversation? That's the conflict right there. Boom. You experienced it. It's, it's when you're flipping through the channels or surfing the internet and some content comes up that's just kind of maybe it's just vulgar or inappropriate. And, and you got this choice in your mind. You're like, do I really need to be watching this? 
That's the conflict. There it is, right there in that moment. It's the reason you experience guilt when you hurt someone else. It's the reason, parents, that we try to raise our kids to make good choices. It's the conflict. I don't want to tell you, if you have the conflict, that is good. It is good to have the conflict. If you're wrestling with it, if, if, it's, if it's there at all, that's a good sign. It's a sign that, one, you're normal, and two, that you're aware that God has something more for you than just to gratify your own appetite. That's, that, that's, and, and, and in your own mind, like you might be here today, even for the first time, you're like, I'm not sure that I want God, God in my life. If you have the conflict, I'm going to tell you something. God programmed that into you. He gave you the ability to want to do good. So it's the conflict, whether you acknowledge God or not, I believe that he's the one who put it there. And this is also showing us that we're created in the image of God, the desire to be good. It's the thing that separates us from the animals. Animals don't have this conflict. <laughs> it's just it's kill or be killed, right? Eat or be eaten. Survival of the fittest. Animals don't have this conflict, but humans do. And we're constantly wrestling to find the right side of that coin. And we're asking ourselves, what choice am I going to make? Who will I walk with? How will I serve? How am I going to walk? How am I going to live my life? And so Paul teaches uh, this whole section. The way he does it is the rest of the section we're going to read. It gives us two lists. Uh, Paul loves lists. If you read much of Paul's writings, he's always making a list. And I kind of like it because I'm a list guy, kind of a to-do list type of thing kind of guy. I like that. And he's going to give us two lists. It really simplifies, and it also gives us some illustrations of, of what these things are. So let's just look at these lists. He's going to give us both sides of the coin, and he's going to show us what it looks like to walk the various walks, the flesh or the spirit. I love verse 19. Let's just read the first few words. You can put the whole verse up there. But look at the first few words. It says this. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Well, okay, Paul, we'll just skip the rest of this. Right? It's so obvious. Uh, but here's the thing. It is, it's obvious, but he gives us a list anyway. Uh, but I think he says, if you're honest with yourself, I don't think you need to spend a, whole time, a lot of time wrestling with, like, is this okay or not? Like, for the most part, we kind of know the acts of the flesh are obvious. But then he gives us a list. So he says, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality. He always starts his list with that one. Why do you got to start with that one every time, Paul? Oh, it must be a big problem. Impurity, debauchery, you don't know what that means, don't worry about it, it's on the dictionary. Idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, uh, envy drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He says, I warn you as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's the thing, I could go through that list and we could talk about every single word in that list. And I've actually done that before at our church. And you could sit and learn about any number of those things. But I like what Paul says. The acts of the flesh are obvious. We don't have to like unpack all this. It's not our goal to learn more about those things. That's not the goal. Several of the things in the list uh, were very common to that day. Uh, and so when you see the list, something like witchcraft, I mean, there, there, is, there is, I believe in demons. I believe that there are people who uh, do witchcraft and things like that. I think there's even that in, in Wilmington. I've, I've, I believe it completely. Um, but it's not a major part of our culture. And so there's parts of our list that you look at that and you're like, I don't even know. And sometimes we read a list like this and the things that we focus on are the words that we don't know or make us blush a little bit. A little bit in there, it's like, ooh, he said that in the Bible. Um, but like, here's the thing. I don't want you to focus on those words. I, I want to focus on a couple of words on the list that are totally relevant to us today. Here's some of them. Jealousy, rage, selfishness, ouch, envy, um, that actually sounds like a list of things of what it means to go through puberty. Um, like, the, here's the thing. I bet you if I asked you to repeat some of those words to me, those would be the ones that you wouldn't even remembered. 
But these are the ones that we struggle with the most. Simple things, jealousy, rage, selfishness, envy. I could go on. The acts of the flesh are obvious. I wonder what this list would look like if he wrote it in 2018. What would he add? The acts of the flesh are obvious. The inability to be content with what you look like. Or needing a new $1,000 phone every 12 months just to uphold your social status. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Being a workaholic and neglecting family time so that you can make more money and not trusting God to provide for you. The acts of the flesh. Taking cheap shot comments at people on social media makes you feel big. It's the acts of the flesh. They're obvious. It's things that serve me, things that make me feel good. They're not all sinful in and of themselves, but it's, it's not about serving God. It's about serving me, the acts of the flesh. They're obvious because they're not about trusting or honoring God. They're about building up me. They're about pleasing me. That's the first list. And that's how not to walk. Don't walk this way. Let's walk this way. Verse 16. If you go back to verse 16, uh, it says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What the heck does it mean to walk in the Spirit? Here we go. Thank you, Paul, for another list. Verse 22. By the end of July, all of us in this room should know this list. It's very simple. There are nine words. You can remember nine things. It's just a little bit more than a phone number. You can do this. Okay? Nine things. He says, verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is, here's the nine, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I got tripped up because I memorized perseverance, not forbearance. Um, but man, there's the nine things. Against such things, there is no law. Remember, they're arguing over the law. It's like, stop, stop arguing about what you can't do. Let's argue about what you can do. <laughs> Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let me rephrase that. Walk the walk. Keep in step with the Spirit. This passage is called the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, in other words, it's like if you got God's Spirit in your life, this is the, the things your life will bear. You know, This is the fruitfulness that will come out. These are the things that will blossom out of who you are as you walk. Uh, and, and you're trying, instead of gratifying the, the flesh, you're trying to gratify the Spirit of God. Notice it says fruit. It doesn't say fruits with an S. And this is just a pet peeve nerd thing for me, but I think it matters. It says fruit, not fruits. And, and so I want you to think about it like this. Uh, a lot of times we compare these things to like actual fruit, apples and oranges and bananas. And so imagine that you had a bowl with nine fruit in it, fruits. There are nine fruits in this bowl. It would be real easy for you to go like, I'm real good with like apples and bananas, but I don't like kiwi. So I'm going to skip that one. And so when we, look at, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, we kind of get this mentality of like, check, 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 eh, skip that one, check, check. I, I'm okay with being kind and good. I think that's great. But do I really need to love them? Uh, Self-control, I'm going to skip that fruit. And so I do think that it's valuable to look at it more like, uh, like an orange that might would have nine segments, you know, like a segmented fruit. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Granted, there are parts of our spiritual walk that are weaker than others. Others, when we're walking in the spirit of God, the goal, though, is to have the whole fruit, to be what God wants us to be to the best of our ability, and he fills us with the power to do that. His spirit in our life gives us that, because by our own power, we might not be very good at, like, self-control. You might think of that, but you can't just skip it. 
it's the, it's the power of God's spirit in our life to say, look, I, I absolutely stink at self-control. I'm just going to have to really trust you in the areas where I'm weak. And that's the way the fruit of the Spirit works. And you'll learn more as we continue going. Uh, it, it was six, 2006, and I was standing, I think it was 2006. If I did the math wrong, my wife will let me know. Uh, we were standing by the Pasquotank River in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. Beautiful place. And my son, who was uh, just about a year old, he did something really cool. I mean, re- like the coolest thing I'd ever seen him do. He took his first steps. Like he, he walked like five or six steps all by himself between me and his mom. And we were like, yeah, woo! We're throwing like high fives and we're cheering. And then he fell flat on his face and we laughed and we were like, hey, it's okay. Get back up, buddy. And he goes again and again. Um, he was walking. Look, it was, it was kind of walking. We call this baby steps. And that what we call it? But we call it walking. Today, he's 11 years old and he rarely falls down. I'm real proud of him. Uh, does real good with walking. Uh, in fact, if he falls down today, he's normally diving to catch a football, which is actually pretty impressive, right? So, I mean, that's the step that he, you grow and you mature and you get better. And so when it comes to walking in the spirit, you don't have to hit the ground running. And I think that's sometimes what we leave church with the mindset of like, I'm just not good enough, I guess. But you don't have, the goal is to take steps. And with babies, we don't put them in a corner and spank them when we, they fall down. That would make you a bad human being. <laughs> What do we do? We just cheer when they stand back up. And the same thing's true with us spiritually. It's God's grace that saves us. It's our faith in him in our life that gives us our connection with him. So it's not about the law as much as it is getting back up when we fall. And knowing that God's spirit is in my life and he's going to help me take one step at a time. And so walking in the spirit is about me knowing that every day I can get back up and I can stand in those things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Oops, wasn't very good at gentleness today. Let's stand back up tomorrow and do better at that. Today I stunk at loving people. It's okay. God's spirit is in my life and Lord help me with love. Let me try to practice that in my life. Let me put some hard situations in front of me to get better at it. And verse 24 lays the very first, I think, baby step of this whole walking in the Spirit thing. We already read it, but let's look at it again. Verse 24 says this. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. If we want to step, keep in step with the Spirit, the very first phrase there that's really huge there is this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't belong to Christ Jesus, you're not going to get this. It's politically incorrect to say, but you have to actually choose to be a Christian. You can't just put it on your Facebook profile and it counts. You have to make a confession with your mouth and with your life and with your actions. And yeah, you're going to fall down. You've got to get back up. If you're in a place right now where you're like, I really struggle with life. I struggle with that conflict inside. Let me just invite you. Choose Jesus. And when we choose Jesus, something happens. It's a decision that we make, and it's brutal. Listen to this language. If you do that, you've crucified the flesh. And I don't know that we've all done that. So many times in our life, we're like, I choose Jesus, but I still choose these things that just gratify my flesh. Jesus gives us a way to do that. You can read it in Romans 6. It's one place. Romans 6 verse 4 says this. You know that we were therefore buried with him, with Christ? We were therefore buried with Christ, through baptism into what? Death? I've crucified my flesh. That's what baptism is. It's this great moment where it's like, I'm going to lay myself down in this water to symbolize a grave. 
I'm crucifying the flesh. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be perfect for the rest of my life. It means that I've made the decision to leave the old me behind. And when that zombie starts creeping back up, I'm going to push him back down. Because that old self is dead to me. And it says this, that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. That's the decision of crucifying the flesh, of putting it behind us. Well, how do we do that? Well, at our church, we have this three-part phrase that we want to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. That's like our three-part mission as a people. We want to be God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. And that, that's actually just a summary of what Jesus says is the greatest commandment. We've just retooled it to be more memorable. But Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, soul, your strength. And he says, love others as yourself. And that's about chasing God. That's about being a love agent, being grace-shaped. It's about knowing that Jesus forgives us. That's, it's the whole picture, God-chasing, grace-shaped love agents. But when I think of the picture of chasing God, when I was a kid, there used to be this little science museum in my hometown, and there was this machine. It was like a treadmill, and you could run, and you could, like, race a turtle. So you race a turtle, and you, like, kicked its butt. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to race, like, a, like, I don't know, a smaller, another thing. I'm going to race another thing. And the, the highest thing was a cheetah or a peregrine falcon. I remember that was the biggest, the fastest thing on the earth, right? And, then, but, and every, every kid was like, I, I can beat him. I can beat him. And, like, phew, it's gone. And, and it was these little lights that you had to chase. And the, chase, the lights went the speed of the animal as fast as it would go. And when we think about chasing God, it's kind of like chasing that cheetah. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to chase God. Whoa, okay, wow, man, I, I'm a little bit winded. And we look up and we're 50 paces behind. But that's not what God calls us to. He doesn't say, keep up with me. He says, just walk in my spirit. When you fall down, get back up and have faith that I am enough for you. We can walk in the spirit together. I'm like, guys, let me tell you this. Around the world, I'm going off script here. <laughs> Around the world, villages, families, whole cities, whole nations have been changed because of a community of people stood up and said, I'm going to walk in the spirit. And I don't even have the time to tell you story after story after story of, of stories that I've heard in third world countries or in places that live in persecution like in India where uh, the church has decided we're going to walk in the spirit. And even though it wasn't easy, even though they looked up and they're like, man, I'm 50 paces behind. They're like, I'm going to keep my nose down, trusting God's grace in my life. And the change that happens in these people's families, then their neighborhoods, then their cities is astronomical. This is not too big for us, church family. The city of Wilmington is not too big for us. You know why? Because it's not too big for God. But it starts here with each one of us saying, what walk am I going to walk? The acts of the flesh are obvious. Don't walk in the flesh. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And Jesus says the greatest of these is love. In verse 14, it says this, Galatians 5, 14, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's our homework assignment this week. Let's learn what it means to put others first and get in the back seat and trust God for the rest.
Let me pray for us this morning. God, we love you. We thank you so much for just being good, for being God, and for letting us know that uh, it's your grace that gives us forgiveness, and so we don't have to get it right every single time, but that you will make up the difference for us. We thank you for Jesus. Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this room this morning who showed up looking for you in their life, that they found it, and if they don't know they found it, that they at least know they found a safe place. Uh, we don't have to check our baggage at the door here. We don't have to leave our, leave our mess behind. We just, we just bring it right in with us every, every week. I pray that you bless our hangout time at the park today with our picnic, that you make that a time where we can just get to know each other, learn that grace-shaped peace, and um, be family. Help us walk the walk. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.